Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our, Our teaching team, team is made up of men and women, women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion. To which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to, to expand, expand in faith, faith hope, and hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because, because they, they anchor us in something, something which can, can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. This is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. Thanks, sweetie. Hey, everybody. Today's kind of an awkward day. We can say it out loud, right? It's a little awkward for me, but it's wonderful, too. I mean, Joe and Alicia and you guys, that was so cool. Plus, you played U2 for me. That was just for me. If you guys hate U2, sorry. That was for me. I loved it. I loved it. Well, for my last sermon at Genesis, I had lots of thoughts, and I had a few suggestions even, too, from other people. And um, 
you know, I thought, well, do I, you know, do I sort of do my greatest hits or go back to my first one or, you know, do I share three last things that I want you to know? And I thought about it and I thought, no, what I want to do is I want to follow the lectionary like we've been doing for eight years. So I think there are going to be some juicy nuggets for uh, the Genesis community to reflect on my last day here and what is to come and what I've been grateful for. Um, but there's also just, we're just going to continue the story because this is the second Sunday of Eastertide. Easter lasts 50 days. It's not just one Sunday. It's 50 days of experiencing resurrection life and what it means uh, that Jesus didn't stay dead. And so last week, we met my favorite character in the scriptures, Mary Magdalene. Oh, I love her so much. And she waited at the tomb and she found Jesus finally, even though she was weeping. And, you know, we heard that the boys came, Peter and John, and one of them outran the other. Ha <laughs> ha, funny detail. Why is that in there? And then they left as they didn't really understand. But Mary stayed and she wept. And she waited until she found Jesus. And that was such a powerful reminder for us that we can stay and wait in our doubt, in our curiosity, in our hope, waiting for the Jesus that we um, need, not the Jesus of the linen uh, cloths, the old Jesus that maybe doesn't make sense for us anymore. We can look for the Jesus that fulfills all that we hope for. And uh, we also wondered if the meeting between Jesus and Mary Magdalene was more than just as recorded in the scriptures. We wondered if there was some room in the white space in between the words to examine the reality that probably they laughed and cried together for hours, Mary and Jesus. They talked about all these things. They talked about how the last three days was like. Mary maybe asked Jesus, where have you been and what was it like there? And I'm so glad you're back. And we wondered about what that might have meant. And I think that brought so much humanity into this story. So this week, we're going to pick up that story right where we left off last week. Mary has gone back to tell the other disciples that she has seen the Lord, that she has seen Jesus, that he's alive. But as we pick up the story, uh, they're not joyously celebrating. They're huddled together in fear behind locked doors. Like Mary, when she supposed Jesus was the gardener and she was confused, they seem to be confused as well. They still don't understand. So it's sort of interesting. The first question I have when I read this book through the lens of a nerd that likes to notice nerdy things. I notice, my first question is, why doesn't the writer tell us where they are? And we hear that they're behind locked doors, and so you get this picture of that they're in a room, in a house, but usually in the scriptures they tell us, like they're in Cana, or they're at Mary and Martha's house, they're with Lazarus, they're you know, somewhere else, they're by the Sea of Galilee, but in this particular important instance, this is the first time Jesus is gonna um, reveal himself to the disciples when they're all together, you would think for, for historical reasons, we would say, we're at the mother of Simon Peter's house. But we don't get that. Instead, the writer leaves all those details out. No city, no house, just the doors being shut 
where the disciples were. The doors being shut where the disciples were. So it could be anywhere. Any time where people are huddled together behind locked doors, wondering about what's next, waiting for Jesus to come. And you know, if you've been here for any length of time, that we believe that the writers of the scripture love to not be obvious. And it's a little frustrating, but it's also super fun. They drop little words and clues and hints that if you're paying attention, you go, wait a minute, where's that word used elsewhere? So when you hear the phrase, they're behind a locked door, shut in, what clues or hints do you see? This is our first all-play question. What clues or hints do you see in the phrase, the doors being shut where the disciples were? And if you're on Zoom, feel free to use the chat, okay? What clues or hints do you see in the phrase, the doors being shut where the disciples were? It's a tough one, but it's really juicy. They weren't in a friendly neighborhood, Joan, 100%. They were afraid of what might happen to them. Yep, absolutely. What else? Okay, Vecchi, you think of the tomb being shut. That was a door and a, something that was sealed and now is not sealed. Anything else on that? Can't tell if you're moving on or thinking, Becky. Okay. It kind of reminds me of the Samuel story where he's like, God calls him out in the middle of the night and he wakes up and then he gets, leaves his room because he's like in his room. Yeah. So Will said it reminds me of the Samuel story when Samuel was little and he heard God calling him, Samuel, come. And then he came out of his room, he was locked and he came out and he said, to Eli and Eli said, no, I didn't say anything. He didn't know it was God. He went to Eli. Yeah, that's really interesting. I like how you went all the way back to the Hebrew scriptures. What else? Shannon, the temple. There's this, the, the curtain that hides uh, the priests and all the priestly duties from the people. That's so good. I'm going to catch up online here too. TJ from Milwaukee. Shout out to Milwaukee, TJ. Come on, baby. I don't know where the verse is, but something along the lines of a command almost, enter your chambers and shut the doors. Ooh, I don't know where that is either, but that's fascinating. I like how you're trying to go back to other scriptural, and then someone said, oh, it's Isaiah 26:20. Okay, awesome. That must have been Dan. <laughs> For sure it was Dan, <laughs> the nerdiest nerd of us all. What about the garden, Becky? Okay, the Garden of Eden, after uh, the, the Adam and the Eve left, there was an angel standing there with a sword, a fiery sword, to guard the entrance, sort of blocking. That was a kind of door. Lots of doors. What else? Passover. Passover. Put the balloon. Yeah, yeah Joe. The doors were shut tight on Passover because they were hoping that the Lord would pass over and not have that plague. Yes, Bob. Yeah. 
Bob. They wanted to protect themselves, but also, say it again. The identity of whose house it was. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, Bob, I love you. I love that. Um, that thought. And I'm going to forgive you for wearing that Manchester United jacket two weeks in a row. I love you. <laughs> love the, love the sinner hate the sin. Is that the same thing? No, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> kidding. Okay. Yes, John. What is it? To, to this, this aura of depression and darkness, 100%. Anything else? Oh. But it's like the, I forget what the nerdy language is, but like mm -hmm. it's continuing to be shut. Okay. Allie, the verb tense, being shut. The door is being shut. They're continually shut. Not just for once, but maybe continually. Oh, so, so good. And you're all right. And you're all um, illuminating this scripture in a way that one person never could. One of the things that I wondered about when we read the word doors is that this very same word was used earlier in John when Jesus said, I am the door for the sheep, or I am the gate for the sheep, the same exact word. And so perhaps Jesus is saying, as you disciples are waiting in the dark, as you're trapped behind locked doors, Jesus suddenly comes in, not through a door, but just appears, and stands among them and says, peace be with you. In a, as a way of saying, I am the door, but I transcend all doors. I transcend all locked spaces. If you are locked away in your fear and in your doubt, huddling together, wondering what's next, I will show up when you least expect it and I will announce peace to you, peace to you. I'm the door that transcends all other doors. And that's not some weird way of saying, you know, one way of believing in Jesus is the only, no, it's he is saying, I guard, just like the angel guards the garden, I guard the sheep pen for all my sheep and I let them go in and come out. And then Jesus, so Jesus shows up in this room Surprise of all surprises. And he breathes on them. But the translation more literally says, he breathes into them. Now what does that remind you of? Creation. Creation. Thank you, Allie. In the Septuagint. Dan, what's the Septuagint? Just real quick, make it loud. The Greek version of the Old Testament. Woo! The Septuagint is the Greek version of the Old Testament. So the Old Testament translated in, from the Hebrew into Greek. Septuagint. Um, the exact same word for breath is used in John 20 as it is in Genesis 2-7. Then the Lord God formed the humans out of the dust of the ground and breathed into their nostrils the breath of life, and the human became a living being. 
also the exact same verb for breath is used in Ezekiel 37.9. You know, that weird uh, picture of the bones coming to life and all that stuff. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon the slain that they may live. So here's a person, Jesus, who died and who was raised back to life, appearing to his friends, his ordinary apprentices, who are learning to love God and others and themselves wholeheartedly. He appears in the room with them. They're huddled, they're afraid. He who was dead and is now alive, and he breathes into them, reminding them that death isn't the last word. Because there's a way in which he had died and come back to life, but who also had died? They had died. Their hopes had died. There was death in the room, John. You were right. There's death in the room. So Jesus breathed new life into them. And so when you are locked in your room of despondency and depression and fear, when you're wondering about what's next, no matter what's happening in your life, I wonder what it would be like to get curious and use your imagination to imagine the risen Christ coming to meet you in that place, in that unknown place. And that's why I'm glad it wasn't in Cana or at Lazarus's house or it's in this unknown place because you and I have been there too, right? You and I have been in that place. We've, we've been in that place of fear and despondency and not understanding. And we can imagine Jesus coming in that place and breathing into us new life. It's so good. So here's our next all play question. Besides a joyful reunion, what else is happening in this moment when Jesus appears to the disciples and says, peace be with you and breathes life into them? What else is happening? Use the chat, Zoomies, Zoom mates, is that what we call you guys? What else is happening? Say it again. Anger. Yes. Thank you, Cassandra. Wow. What else? Thomas isn't there. And we're going to get to that in a second. But you're right, Jason. Thomas is out getting Panera for the boys. I'm not sure. He's maybe fishing. We, we don't know why he's not there, but he's not there. What is happening? Yes, what's the first day of the week in the Hebrew calendar? Well, I, it, it, it is Sunday. The sixth day is, is the Sabbath, Saturday. But you're on to something, Nate, because this, the, on the first day of the week, it's speaking of a new creation. So that's why the writer puts it in there. Here's a new creation that's about to burst forth. So that's happening in this room. What else? I just really see this picture of like thinking about how intimate it was for Jesus to breathe into them, but like getting face to face with Jesus and then all the feelings, the anger, the joy, the confusion, whatever. Yeah. So Allie's saying all the emotions are happening. You're face to face with Jesus. It's sweet. It's intimate. 
the breathing into us, but also there's some questions like, where have you been? <laughs> and why wasn't this more clear? And why did it have to happen this way? And why are we now, and why are you leaving again? There's all kinds of feelings and fears. So this is a new beginning. Jesus is announcing it after having been dead to a group of people who were also dead. He invites and he arrives with new life. This is a new beginning. So this is wonderful news, right? But it's also the Paschal mystery that it's the pattern of the universe, that things are born, things live, things die, and then things are resurrected. This is what happens. We're still waiting for spring to come, right? So it's suspended hope for us. But eventually, that grass will turn green, those buds will pop, and then summer, and then fall, and then winter, and the cycle will happen over and over again. And the cycle of birth, life, and death, and resurrection happens in our lives as well. This happens over and over and over again. I'm listening to this story called This is Happiness, and it's a gorgeous story. It's about this Irish town. It's narrated by this Irish uh, old man, and it's just the best. And one of the lines in the story, there's this character named Ganga. He's the grandpa. And he's just this delightful, quirky guy who doesn't believe money is real. Is <laughs> this quote, he says, we are living in a story that has no ending. We are living in a story that has no ending. Now, what kind of hope would you have to have to believe that that was really true? Because it seems to me that there's all kinds of endings that we fear. Like this is an ending today. This is an ending. It is. And we can be afraid, and that's okay. Or we can, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm a little afraid. Someone asked me, how are you feeling about this new job? And I said, one of the things, I'm nervous. They said, really, why are you nervous? You've, you've done this before. And I said, because no one knows my story. You know? We're living in a story that has no ending. What would it mean to really believe that? There's something about this story that reminds me that it's true. Receive the Holy Spirit, Jesus says. Peace be with you, Jesus says. So in this, new, in this ending for Genesis today, if it's really true that we're living in a story that has no ending, I wonder if we're awake and alert what new chapter might be being written now. So peace be with you, Genesis, as you write it together and as you write it in the presence of Jesus the Christ. That brings hope. Receive the Holy Spirit, he says, the parakletos, the comforter who will comfort you when you need it. Receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says this weird thing. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. What? Pretty sure I'm not responsible for forgiving anyone's sins. Caroline Lewis, she's a professor at Luther Seminary in St. Paul. She sees that this way, and I quote, For the fourth evangelist, John, Sin is not a category of morality, like you did this wrong or you did this right, but it's a category of relationship. And so this retaining the sins or forgiving the sins 
really is depicting a lack of relationship with God or unbelief in Jesus as the word made flesh. So these disciples, she says, will tend to the belief of others. And part of this tending will be forgiving, will to be forgiving of those who don't believe, and especially the people of their former faith tradition. What does it mean to be forgiving of those who don't walk your road with you? The retention of sins would have to do with preventing belief, discouraging belief, or not nurturing belief in the other. And I don't think this is about making someone believe, but it's about living in such a way, in a way of forgiveness, that your life does not prevent anyone from believing. And that's a different way of looking at it. Does your life, in its simplicity and ordinariness, speak to hope? Or does it draw circles around what you believe? And to say, if you believe what I believe, you're in. If you don't believe what I believe, you are out. So the story then moves to our dear friend Thomas, (laughs) who wasn't there for all that was just discussed. And when he hears about this Jesus who came back, he says this, oh, hell no. It's my last Sunday. (laughs) A long time. I won't believe, Thomas says, unless I can not only see the holes in his hands with my eyes and the scar on his hip, I need to be able to touch them with my own hands. Well, what is Jesus if he is not God who can be touched? So aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't respond with, what? But he says, oh, the next time Thomas is with them, Jesus shows up, and Jesus goes right to Thomas, and he goes, look, feel my hands. Feel my side. It's me. Revealing that Jesus is the God who is touchable. And that's great news. It's as if God knew humanity needs to touch me and see me and feel me. And this this is why I believe that the Eucharist has become so special for us at Genesis, why it's located in the center of the room, why we receive it every week. We receive the Eucharist because we believe in some mysterious way it contains the real presence of Christ that we can not only touch but ingest to become part of us. And so we say these words week after week. This is the table, not of the church. The church doesn't own this table, but of the Lord. It's made ready for those who love God, For those who want to love God more, so come. You who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often, you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come because it is the Lord, the touchable Lord who invites you. It is God's will that those who want God should meet God here. That's why it's so important to us that we do that. That's why it's the centerpiece of our worship. Not the sermon, not the singing, not the prayers. The Eucharist is the real presence of Christ here among us. And we need it, amen? We need to touch it and feel it and ingest it and take it in every single week and more. So this, the last couple verses that Mary read two hours ago. (laughs) Again, my last Sunday is this, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. 
How cool is that? And how I'm going to interpret that is this way. What if we change the verb tense from past, now Jesus did, to present? Now Jesus is doing many other signs in the presence of his ordinary apprentices who are learning to love God and love others and love themselves wholeheartedly. What if we believe that the work being done by the disciples of Jesus is still being done and still being written? The gospel according to Genesis. The gospel according to Elisha. The gospel according to Jane. The gospel according to Will. The gospel according to Steve. And on and on and on throughout history. New beginnings. If new beginnings really happen then it must be true that Jesus is still doing many other signs in the presence of these ordinary apprentices, you and me. Not bound by a specific church or a specific location, but committed to learning to love God, love ourselves, and love others wholeheartedly. And if that's true, if we're not bound by the false boundaries of this church and that church, or this belief, or that belief, if we are all ordinary apprentices of Jesus who are just learning to love God and love others and love ourselves wholeheartedly, then it really can be true that we're still in it together. Amen? And that's how I see it. Different locations, got it. New beginnings, yep. Leavings, beginnings, endings, it all belongs but it's all available for all of us. You have to see it like that. Let's see, let's see more. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions, questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscove.org.